many of you believe that it, we are on the precipice of an outpouring of God? Why do you think your pastor called you back, back to prayer and fasting? I, I can tell you that Karen and I have been praying and we've been seeking God. We're going, Lord, what are you doing? And I think tonight I must share a prophetic word over this house. Is that okay? Because I must preach to a dehydrated community. A thirsty church. I'm really excited because uh, a few days ago uh, in Phoenix, uh, Charisma mailed me the uh, a first few copies of this book. And if you pre-ordered it, it all comes, we'll, we'll, you'll be getting it next week. But even as I've sat and read it, even today, because I forgot what I had written. And many times when I wrote, I didn't remember. And, and I was reading a story in there that I'll refer to in just a moment. But in this exciting, I believe it's going to help lead a revolution. Amen. Give God a praise. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's like holding a newborn. It's like holding a newborn. And, and I said to the Lord, as I've been praying, even driving here today, I said, Lord, what are you about to do? And he said, you've never let me interrupt you. You've always had your own plan, Pat. What if I'm about to interrupt everything? Because, see, I must share a word that I sat down yesterday and wrote for this house, and it's simply called Redigging the Ancient Wells. I had shared about this concept a while back, but the Lord said, I want you to take this, and I want you to begin to write about it because you're going to share this tomorrow night. You know, you need to understand. I had already planned on sharing something else when pastor said he wanted me to come. And, and again, I want to bring honor to this pulpit and to this house that you have the greatest leadership. In fact, uh, pastor Tiffany is away praying right now in intercession, seeking God, give God a praise for the leadership of this house. But I think that the church in America has gotten used to polluted water. And the Lord told me to come and ask you if you're thirsty because there's a river that flows through this sanctuary. And in the remnant manifesto, and I must keep bringing this up because it's where my spirit is right now. The remnant has decided at all cost. They will not allow this next generation to speak of the last generation as a group that did not want to see God's glory. Open your Bibles quickly to Genesis or your iPhones. Same thing. To Genesis chapter 26. I'm not going to go long, but I do believe that in a moment we're going to dig a well in this room. Are you ready? Are you ready to go swimming? Are you, I, I'm talking about are you ready to get into something fresh? Because God says some of you, he's about to clean the water that's been running through your wells. There's too many dirty wells even in this room. And God says, I am a river of living water. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 26, and I'll come back to this in a moment. It says, and Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham stop right there there is moves of God and I tried to research it for this area there's there is moves of God that have taken place around this nation that somewhere along the way programs and preeminence and dates and attitudes and personalities and people's visions and people's plans went above God and they've sealed the wells which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. I got to talk to the ones that have been in the desert. There are people, and I don't know where you're at in this room, you were moved here by your job specifically for revival and didn't even know it. You were uprooted and put in this place. There were others that have been here for years. There were people that came to this church when it launched years ago, and you did not know what, what, 11 years ago, I guess it is, or 10 years ago, or uh, how many years? 13 years ago, God brought you here and he pulled you from where your family went and you did not know why. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe or, or somewhere between the last 13 years. And you're like, I don't I, I love the house. I love the anointing. I love the freedom. I love the preaching. I love all of that. But it's because God had a plan bigger that he could see in your future. Are you with me so far? In fact, you've got to understand if the enemy can keep you dry, you will never experience the living water. And Isaiah 43, 19 is that old promise that was given to the 
prophet Isaiah. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, a way in the desert, and streams in the wasteland. Somebody give God a praise for that because that's what he's speaking over this house. But I honestly believe how we handle this move of God will determine the future of our children. I'm speaking for my own self. Because I believe in spiritual heritage. That's why the Bible says Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That if you can, if a mom can have a crack baby, if you can have generational curses, then you can have generational blessings. Then a Holy Ghost mom can have a Holy Ghost baby. I'm talking about spiritual lineage that doesn't stop after the grandparents. I'm talking about something that gets passed down deeper, deeper, deeper. Because even Moses said, watch for the fourth generation outpouring. And God is about to start a generational movement in this place that goes from the nursery to the nursing home. Are you with me so far? Where we begin to experience moves of God back in the, in the nursery areas all the way to those that are in the nursing home. God says, I want to pour something out in this area area and I'm here to tell you, I'm talking about a spiritual deep alignment I'm talking about something so big where life as you have known it will suddenly change would you give God a praise if you're feeling what I'm feeling maybe I'm just maybe I'm just so desperate right now that I'm the only one that can really feel this but I don't believe that's the case I believe God has handpicked this house and I'm honored to be a part of it and I understand the spiritual authority of this house but you've got to understand there's an awakening coming to the land and God is handpicking places that he trusts with his glory and if you don't want it he'll simply pick up and move to the next place Talking about generations, it's Psalms 103, verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Again, I researched this town. I researched Newton, and I realize many of you live in different areas around here. But I love the fact that someone wrote a book about this town simply titled, She is Not Yet Finished. And God says it's time to quit living like zombies and burst into life. It's time to walk around this place with an authority like you've never imagined. And so tonight, I, for just a few minutes, I must preach redigging the ancient wells. Would you, would you watch this video that Matt put together uh, uh, yesterday and today? Just watch this. See, God told me to come and tell you tonight that we're fighting an old foe. We know that in John chapter 8, Jesus gave the description of the devil, and he called the devil out and gave his who he was. And you've got to understand, the enemy's number one goal has always been to throw, to throw dirt in your well, to pour dirt in your well. Do me a favor, DJ, pull this up close right here. Pull it up real close if you would, because you've got to understand, I brought a well with me tonight. And that's why Jesus, when speaking about the devil, simply said to him, he, talking about him, he said his resume is that of a liar. We're living in a day where we, th a day where we think it's normal that 31 couples stood on stage in the Grammys. And they allowed Madonna to be their maid of honor as Queen Latifah did a wedding for same-sex marriage and we thought that was normal. We're beyond Beyonce and Jay-Z can basically have sex on stage and it's just normal. 
And the problem is I honestly believe that the church has been quiet for so long. In fact, my, my wife made a, a, a statement that uh, yesterday she tweeted this out or day before yesterday. She said, I don't believe the world will be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who remain silent and do nothing to preserve God's truth. My wife tweeted that and I went, wow. Because see, the spirit of the Antichrist is running rampant in the church. Why? Because he does not want this next generation to experience the freedom of the Holy Spirit. His goal is to make a move of God uh, uh, extinct so that we can simply live in the, in, the, in the anointing of yesterday's revival and we can talk about what God did. And something is wrong when we talk about what he used to do and have forgotten that he's the same yesterday and today. Are you with me so far? Because he can still pour out his spirit today and we have not yet seen it. And the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today. And you go, well, Pat, what does that mean? It means some guy that looks real slick that's going to rise up after the rapture takes place. Understand something. Number one, the devil doesn't know when the rapture is going to happen. You believe in the rapture, right? Because it's going to happen. And if you don't, you can have my demon-possessed dogs that kept me up last night because they are demons. And so you've got to understand. But the spirit of the Antichrist is already, the spirit of always comes before. Just like the spirit of prophecy comes before, we actually begin to see the prophetic moving. Also, the Antichrist spirit is already in this world. The devil doesn't know when the rapture is going to happen. So every generation generation he has to create a new antichrist but you've got to understand what the bible says in first john because john said in first john 2 18 that it's already amongst us the spirit of the antichrist children time is just about up you heard that the antichrist is coming well they're all over the place antichrist everywhere you look that's how we know that we're close to the end they left us but they were never really with us. He's talking about, he was speaking of the spirit of the Antichrist came out from among them. In other words, he was saying it was in the church. No, 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 Pat. It's, it's over in the Castro district of San Francisco or it's in the Bronx of New York or, or it's in Hollywood. No, 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 no. The most dangerous people to the body of Christ is those that are in the church that have somewhere along the way began to decide they didn't like the anointing. Because anti-Christ, anti-Christ means the anointed. Are you getting this so far? But they were never really with us. Really with us. If they had been, they would have stuck it out with us, loyal to the very end. In leaving, they showed their true colors, showed they never did belong. But you belong. The Holy One anointed you. And you all know it. I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth that you do know and to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lives. Somebody give God a praise offering. But look what Proverbs chapter 5 says in verse 15, because you got to get this, because I'm about to preach about polluted wells. Do you know the saying, drink from your own rain barrel, draw water from your own spring-fed well? It's true. Otherwise, you may one day come home and find your barrel empty and your well polluted. you got to understand. The enemy's number one goal is to pour dirt inside of your well. The enemy's number one goal is to toss dirt on you, to toss dirt on the spring of living water that God has placed inside of you. In fact, in a day of microwave Christianity and flesh-driven, man-exalted services, we have removed the God encounter from our gatherings and thus created gatherings that, that no more change a man from his deprivation than when your garbage man pulls up every week and picks up your can and you think he might wash it out. He doesn't wash it out. He dumps it out and puts it back dirty and God says I'm looking for people that will let fresh water clean them out somebody give God a praise offering understand this isn't new Jeremiah the weeping prophet who rolled around in the mud at the age of 30 for his for his priestly coronation and anointed himself because he was in slavery and yet he still declared the word of the Lord look what Jeremiah said he said my people have committed a compound sin they've walked out on me the fountain of fresh flowing waters and then dug cisterns cisterns that leak cisterns that are no better than their seeds Leonard Ravenhill one of my heroes one of Pastor Mark's heroes Made this statement. I must read it to you. I'll just read it to you. The human dilemma that we, that we are in right now is that we have never been in a lower point. Pat Ravenhill died in the late 80s, I know. Much like David Wilkerson, the words that he speaks ring true today. 
People say, don't worry. We've got, we've got out of this situations like this. Oh, no, we haven't. Don't fool you. Don't you fool yourself. We've never gotten out of a situation like this. You know why? Because we've never been in a situation like this. That's why sex is a sport. Immorality is an accepted way of life. People say there are fewer divorces than last year. Well, how do you expect any more when they don't get married? So we are a broken nation. Never, never in our history do, do, do we need revival more than today, the day in which we live. What we need now is a revival of holiness, a revival of character, a revival of people who are utterly selfless and prepared to lay their lives at the altar. Are you getting this so far? So I brought my well with me because I want you to understand the enemy has been pouring dirt in the wells of your life and the wells of the churches of this city. And God says, I'm about to spring up a new well in this place where people can come and drink, where people will get rid of their dehydration because there's only one thing that'll kill a, first, a person fast and that is to deprive them of water and we've got churches running around with their tongues sticking out saying I need something we've got people running around saying I need to be I need to drink something fresh give God a praise offering I know it's Wednesday night and I must say to you if it stopped up we must unplug it this is what the Lord spoke to me he said I want you to write about the well He said, the wells of this city have been plugged up. From Charlotte to South Carolina to Greensboro to Winston-Salem to Fayetteville. Down to Atlanta to Birmingham, the wells are stopped up. They're dirty. And the Bible says that Isaac, who was Isaac? We don't know much about Isaac except he had a really bad camping trip. Who was Isaac? He was the Christ that never died. He was the shadow and type of Jesus. Oh, you're not getting this. It's about to get good. Who was Isaac? His father was the patriarch, Abram. Ham. Because God added to him. He gives him a son who walks in the double blessing and favor of a patriarch father. Who was he? We just know he's really good at digging wells. He was the bridge between the father and the tribes. Who was he? The Bible says in Genesis 22, verse 17, a prophecy given to Abraham. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies. Through your offspring, all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed. So God had made some awesome promises to Abraham. And then comes his son. Abraham dies. See, I got to talk to the ones tonight who's had a little bit of dirt thrown in your well. And you've gotten used to drinking polluted water spiritually. You've got used to living like Jesus on Sunday and acting like hell on Monday. You've gotten used to being a part of the world that you don't even realize the world owns you. And the enemy's been throwing dirt on your job. I'm talking to the ones that are a little bit frustrated tonight because you're saying there's got to be more. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 26, Abraham has died. Isaac comes back to his father's land. And the Bible says there was a famine in the land. Now, what do you have to have when there's a famine? You have to have water. Amos, who lived 700 years before Jesus, that precious shepherd, he had said in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, there's a famine in the land for the word of the Lord. I asked the Lord one time because I was preaching all these youth conferences and kids all, you know, about 15 years ago, students started running to the front during worship. It just became this big thing. And I asked the Lord one day why they did that. And he said, they're just practicing for heaven. And another occasion I said, Lord, because everywhere I would go, they would be bent over like this at the altar experience. I said, Lord, what is that? He said, they're thirsty. A tree always bends when it's thirsty and they're oaks of righteousness looking for water. Now, there's a famine in land besides the early famine of Abraham's time. You need to understand every generation faces a famine. It just determines if you're going to dig new wells. 
And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistine in Gerar, who is Abimelech. His name means, my father worships Molech. Molech means many gods. So Isaac goes to a man that doesn't even know who he is. He's double-minded in all his way. He worships everything. To the Philistines, who are the enemies of God, by the way. Every time you read Philistine in your Bible, they're never good. They were pirates. They were filthy people. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Now you need to understand, Egypt always represents the world in the Bible. He said to him, don't go back to the world. Oh, you're not getting this yet. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Stop right there. The promise is given to me. The promise is given to Pastor Mark. The promise is given to leaders in this house. You need to understand, I may not experience all the crazy dreams God has given me, but it is promised that my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will walk in the anointing that was spread out by Papa Pat, by Papa Mark. You got to understand, we serve a generational God. You may not accomplish everything, but if you'll do things right, if you'll live righteously, that's why you pay your tithe. You're not paying your tithe for right now just to rebuke the devourer. You're rebuking the enemy off your grandchildren. On February the 24th, I will sit down with David Green of Hobby Lobby, who is a billionaire. But when he dies, everything goes back to the Lord. He's got a family creed on the wall that says, We own nothing. I will sit down with this man and he will simply look at me and he never mentions the money he has or the billions that he has or the fact that he is. He simply mentions the fact that he hears babies crying and his family creed is we will be the ones that give it away. They give away 90% of their profit. Build churches. And he goes on to say, and I'll be with you and I'll bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your, to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands and through your offspring. Does this not, is this not a repeat of Genesis 22? What he promised Abraham, he now promises the son. The only, the only requirement that stood in between that, the only bridge is called obedience. And somewhere in the middle of obedience is a word called die. All nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now watch. Isaac simply does what God tells him to do. Genesis 26 goes on to say, oh, I'm not going to go long, so stay with me for a second. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. He planted crops in the middle of a desert the other day Saturday I was in Phoenix and I had to speak at a wedding on Saturday afternoon I'm driving through these backwoods to get to this mountain resort where they're doing this wedding a girl in our school of ministry that graduated Rachel and she's getting married so I went in a day early to do their wedding and then I preached in Phoenix on Sunday and I'm, I'm watching <laughs> I'm watching this tractor plow dirt as I'm sitting in a stop sign and I want to roll down the window and say there's no crop. Keep plowing. It's a desert. But the guy must know something. He must know that there is irrigation coming to that land. Sometimes you got to plow even when the only thing you see is dust. So you ain't getting this. Sometimes you got to dig up because until you remove the rocks, the plants can't go in. Oh, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. He had so many. Now watch. It goes on to say. It says, and the man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. And he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines hated him. They envied him. You haven't really lived till you make the devil jealous. That's why he hates it when you worship, because you took his place. 
He had so many flocks and herds that the servants of the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. What is dirt? Dirt always represents flesh. What is well? It's the word of God. What is happening in churches? The enemy is pouring flesh into the word of God and poisoning it. Get your flesh out of God's word. His word is pure. He doesn't need your help with it. He is so good and so powerful that his word is living and active, sharp than the double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit. In other words, what double-edged sword means that as it goes out, it cuts. As it comes back in, it cuts stuff off you. So when I preach the word, it ministers and cuts away the flesh and leaves everything naked. But as it comes back to me, it leaves me naked. Are you getting? In other words, ain't none of us can boast in what we're wearing because God's word leaves us naked in his sight so we can see what's going Oh, somebody give God a shout across this room. So all the wells that it dug, and it says the Philistines stopped them up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You become too powerful for us. I could preach on that for an hour and a half right there because you've got to understand there's nothing greater. There comes a time where the anointing that you possess will cause people around you to go, please don't come into my house because when you come into my house, it causes transformation. Please don't come into my restaurant because when you come into my restaurant, you make me not want to drink anymore. Please don't come around me because when you come around me, the spirit inside of you arrests the demonic voice inside of me and shuts it down and you've got to understand the enemy hates it when you tread on serpents when you say to the devil he has no authority the enemy hates it when we walk onto our campuses and know who we are that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world that you are a space invader you're a temple not a shack take the for sale sign down when you walk into a place it ought to make demons dive out windows because the devil ought to be able to look at you and say hey you're so blessed please leave <laughs> Why do you think you get raised in a city, pastor, and you're anointed as a boy, and then all of a sudden, you got to leave? I, I, I can't live in Aniana, Alabama, not just because they only have two red lights, but because a prophet's not welcome in his own hometown. You're too blessed. You've had a revelation of God we don't understand. I'm explaining why you didn't fit in your last church. I'm explaining why you've been having opposition because people don't understand it in a down economy in an economy where socialism is taking over, where the government is buying parents because of their fear of, of, of poverty. They're turning children into communists. And people don't understand why you're blessed right now. They don't get it. They don't understand. How come you still got your job when everybody else got fired and they were here longer than you? Now watch. Because here comes something very powerful. And in Genesis 26 verse 17, so Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. Give me somebody. Give me somebody that will dig up the anointing that the grandparents represented. Give me somebody that will go in and do a war and fight for what's been covered up. Give me somebody that understands spiritual heritage that will go back and understand that long before you stood here, God stood here. Long before this building was here, there was people praying down the street. There's little old ladies you won't meet till you get to heaven that prayed you into this city. Give me somebody that understands that there's spiritual wells that have been covered up. Give me somebody that will love this forefront anointing that will love the anointing they get before us and they'll say I'll open this thing back up again because God's not done with America God's not done pouring out his spirit are you getting this so far I got to preach now and Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father in which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died oh isn't that funny right there Abraham dies and the Philistines said he's finally dead let's pour dirt inside of his wells because if we can just get the people to die off we'll own the land and that's exactly what has been happening the Lord said write this yesterday and he gave them same names his father had given them 
And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, the water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they had disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth or Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. Are you still with me so far? i got to wrap this up up here in a minute and the Bible says from there he went to Beersheba and that night the Lord appeared to him and said I am the God of your father Abraham how many of you know it was later say I'm the God of your father Abraham and Isaac and then eventually it would come Jacob do not be afraid for I am with you I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent. There his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. And Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said there ought to be a sworn agreement between us. Don't you love it when the devil makes a treaty with you? Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Just as we did not molest you, but always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. And Isaac then made a feast for them and they ate and drank. And early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way and they left him in peace. And that day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that he had dug. And they said, we found water. And he called it Shaba or Sheba. And to this day, the name of this town has been Beersheba. I read you a lot, didn't I? I'm, I'm, I'm hurry, I'm hurry. Why in the world would someone fill up these wells with dirt when water was so scarce? Because the Philistines knew that if we can shut off their water supply, we'll kill them off. After plugging up the wells after Abraham died. Folks, this is a picture of what Satan's doing to the church. The Philistines had filled Abraham's well with, with earth, and earth represents the flesh, and the well represents the life-giving word of God. And the Philistines' church of today has filled, filled the anointed life-giving word of God with their fleshly carnal teachings, that, which only uh, impart knowledge, and the people are perishing because they've been robbed of the very vision of life. And, and, and the enemy is trying to kill off the future blessing, but God told me to come and tell you that the next generation must experience the wells. Are you getting this? what, what I'm talking about? I want my daughter to experience the power of the Holy Spirit spirit i want my son to know what it's like he's preaching right now while his dad is preaching right now my son is preaching in texas and bringing the word down i love the fact of generational blessing generational anointing a price that was already paid what you go through what you fight through understand it's what spurgeon said sooner or later every man has to face his daddy's demons dads what you will not fight your children will come up against and probably lose because god has anointed you to kill that thing today it's a young man that called me today that said pastor i gotta talk to you so he called me last night and we finally talked today and he said my parents after 20 years just told me they're getting a divorce and he began to go through his family history and i said do you understand that what your dad would not fight you are going to have to kill i said that today That's why Psalms 36 verse 7, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. What do you mean, Pat? The well has been stopped up. Abraham had dug the wells, but the enemy had stopped them up after he died. And the Philistine king, Abimelech, which means worshiper of many idols and many gods. They, the Bible says the Philistines drifted onto the land because no one protected the wells. No one stood guard anymore. So the enemy comes walking in and begins to pollute the bedrooms of the houses of America. He walks in through the TV set and says, I'll get them now. I know what I'll do. I'll start enticing them in the late 70s with just a little bit of skin and start enticing them in the early 80s with just a little bit more skin. So now it's nothing to see pornography on TV. It's nothing to see all the garbage because we don't care anymore because the wells have been polluted. It doesn't bother us anymore. We're so numb. They can take God's name in vain and we just smile and laugh our way through it. And God says, I'm looking for a church that will stand up and take back the land and keep digging he's saying I'm calling a church to dig again 
Why am I preaching this tonight? It's Proverbs 14, 27. I got to wrap up. I don't even know how long I've gone. But the Lord said, if you will dig, I will let water burst up out of right here. I see it in the spirit. He said, I will let water burst right out of the middle of this floor that people can come and drink again and be doused with my glory. Give God a praise. And the Bible says the fear of God is a spring of living water so you won't go off drinking from poisoned wells. When's the last time you walked into your prayer closet and you just said, scare me, God. And the Bible says there was three wells that you must dig. Here's the level of war. You ready? The first well he went to was a place called Essek. Do you know what that means? Argument. When you start stepping into a new anointing church, you're going to start arguing with yourself. And people are going to argue with you. It's the first well. It says he goes and redigs the well. The glory of the Lord begins to bubble up. And immediately they came and argued with him and said, we want that well. Your first well will always have an argument. But the Bible tells us in Corinthians, look what it says, because the Bible promises us that, well, Genesis 26, 21st, but the herdsmen of Gerar curled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, that water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. So the very first well he dug and God's blessing it, and he's standing there, an argument broke out. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, because you've got to understand, we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to tell you that as God begins to pour out his spirit, demolish the argument. Guard your home. Speak life to each other. Start prophesying over each other. Lay your tongue on the altar because your future's in your tongue and your daily routine. Get back to the place where we're not going to fight anymore. Even in our homes, get up and speak life. Dad, get up and prophesy over your family. The opposite of an argument is a prophetic word because you can't argue with a prophetic word. Get up and declare over your house we are going to be blessed like we've never been blessed because God is using us mightily. Somebody give God a praise offering. And, and by the way, I love what Isaac did. They argued with him. He said, you can have it. You got to know you're blessed when you'll give away your blessing. Fine. I'll go dig another one. So he dug a second well. Watch this. In the second well. Oh, you know, read, let me read that to them. Go back to that map because I found that today. Romans chapter 5, chapter 8. You got to understand it's a brand new word. Watch this. I got to read this to you. This resurrection life you receive from God is not timid, grave tending life. It's adventurous, expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? When's the last time you got out of bed and went, what's up, Papa? What's next? What are we going to do today? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. See, the enemy wants your inheritance. He was fighting Isaac over his inheritance. This was his inheritance. And we go through exactly what go, Christ goes through. If we go through hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Somebody give him a praise offering. Devil can't have my inheritance. Well, number two, I got to wrap up. What's the well number two? Sitna. I think I preached there in Alaska. Oh, that's Sitka. You know what it means? You make it through the argument. Then comes the opposition. It's like everything in the world just trying. Am I preaching to anybody? Because these three wells represent your life. They represent when you first get saved. You're arguing with this thing. Then all hell starts coming against you. The opposition starts rising up. Has there ever been any opposition in this house? Genesis 26, 21, it goes on. Then they dug another well, but they crawled over that one. And so he named it Sitna. So when you begin to redig what is rightfully yours, you don't think enemies going to come against you? You haven't been in a war the last week and a half? That means you're just halfway through your wells. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. Look what it says right here. Look what it says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. Anybody had anything coming against them lately? Raise your hand. Oh, that means you're about to dig a new well. Get ready. 
because the enemy wants to throw dirt on this generation. I write about it on page 30. About when my son went off to college. and He's in two a days, three a days football down in Dallas. And he had made some mistakes his senior year. And the only way we knew it is Karen and I were out walking one morning praying together. And we looked at each other. And I may have told you this. But we both had a dream that he was killed in a car accident. I turned to Karen. We're just, we're out jogging. And I said, hey, I got to tell you, I had a dream last night. She said, I did too. I said, I dreamed Nate got killed in a car. And she finished it in a car accident. I said, yeah. And we stopped and we started weeping. I said, I'm going to sell his car. And I did. <laughs> That's right. My name's on it. But then we realized within three days that it was a spiritual attack on our son and the anointing on his life. And I wrote about it in page 30, the day that he called me from football practice sitting in his truck. And he said, Dad, I can't shake the condemnation I feel for the three months in high school that I went into the world. And I said, I want you, son, to shut your eyes. If you, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 29, that you will mount up with wings as eagles. I said, Nate, it's time to walk off the cliff. And I tell the whole story in my book about how I told Nate to jump off the cliff. And I said, are you falling? He said, I'm, he's screaming. He said, Dad, I'm, I'm gonna, I can't stay in college. I, I can't get rid of this condemnation. It makes me want to die. And, and then I made him flap his arms. I said, the Lord said he wants you to fly. And I made him fly past some friendships and some houses. And he, he completely got free. But see, I know what it's like for the devil to try to poison my seed. I know what it's like to do war for hours. So when I tell you tonight that he's preaching to hundreds of students, when I tell you that two nights ago he called me late at night because he had just left a house for domestic violence down in Dallas where he went to rescue a kid out of the house and I just sat on the phone with him and I just said, let me tell you how proud I am of you that you rescued that kid out of that house. See, you don't understand. You don't understand. We don't have it all together. Now, quite the contrary. The only thing we got together is the presence of God that pulls us together, glues us together, informs us together, and speaks to us and tells us to do war and some of you been in a war lately and somewhere along the way you throw your hands up and say I surrender devil but God says no 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 there's a point where you walk up to that devil and you say I've had enough I am taking the shovel out of your hand enough dirt in my well somebody give my God a praise I made up my mind and I said to God I'm out jogging and I said I will not give up my son after preaching to two million teenagers devil you leave my son alone that's why the bible says in second corinthians or second timothy 1 14 guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you guard it guard it guard it guard it guard it i'm closing i'm closing and then finally they fight him over that he's already had an argument now he's had opposition but isaac knows that if my daddy was blessed i'm blessed and i'll just keep digging because wherever i put the shovel to fresh water is going to flow up you can have that too devil you can have the things i've been arguing about for years you can have the things that i've been opposing for years and just say go ahead because there's coming a time where I'm going to dig a well and have room to live and dance and shout and the Bible says he dug a third well which means room to live freely and expand this revival that God's go ahead and stand with me because I'm about to close this revival that God is about to pour out in this place you got to get this now is going to give you an authority to take back the land and the Bible says in Genesis that he went to a third well he moved on from there and dug another well and no one quarreled with him there comes a point where the devil just said I got to leave them alone because they're blessed wherever they go. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the country. Everywhere they go, they get blessed. Everywhere they walk, they have encounters with God. And it says he, no one fought him this time. So he named it Rehoboth, saying, now God has given me room to live. You can't throw dirt on somebody God's not finished with. What would happen if a move of God broke out in here that broke lust off a generation? The spirit of a murderer, the spirit of abortion. You've been fasting? Let me tell you what the Bible says about your fasting. Isaiah 58. 
to get rid of your unfair practices. Quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, from, from muscles to strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build a new, rebuild the foundation from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild, renovate, and make the community livable again. Listen to me. Obstacles are only hindrances when you realize who sent you. You just know they slow you down for just a moment. And then the Bible says, See, we got to let the world know that God's hand is upon us. And in Genesis, they come up to him and they go, look, <laughs> look, dude, you want to be friends? And in Genesis, it says that they come to him. And they say, you want to make an agreement? We'll leave you alone because you're just too blessed. And the Bible says in Proverbs 25, like a muddled Muddied spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. There are people in this room that God says, I want to bring water in. What do you mean? The well was already dug for you. Go ahead, Pastor. The well's already been dug. Isaac is the shadow and type of Christ. Oh, you're not getting it. Abraham takes Isaac up, lays him on the altar. Representing what God the Father would do as the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Remember when Jesus went down to Samaria? It would lead to the greatest revival. Which, by the way, Philip would later go back there because they would forget about the revival and have to preach again because they were worshiping things in the mountains. The Bible says in Samaria, Samaria's a jacked up people. They were a messed up, dirty people. They could not be counted on. They would change sides in the middle of wars. They were considered half-breeds. So in John chapter 4, Jesus walks out to a well. You might know what that well is called? It's called Jacob's well, the deceiver. He sits down on the deceiver to get the attention of a woman he's going to use to start a revival. She gets so jacked up, she went to get water, leaves her vase, and runs into town and says, I've just met the Messiah. But he said, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink? Because he asked her for a drink of water. And she begins to say, do you know who I am? Your disciples are off buying groceries, and you're talking to the dirtiest woman in town. I got husbands galore. I'm perverted. I'm filthy. Why are you talking to me? It's noon. You should be napping. You knew who asked, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? <laughs> Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Church, you're not following me. This is one of the wells that Isaac dug. You're not getting this yet. So when Isaac is digging, he didn't know that some thousands of years later, the king of kings would sit upon the well that he had dug. Oh, you're not getting this yet. He gave us the well and drank from all his sons, his flocks, and his herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water willing welling up an eternal life. How many of you know that Jesus went into the well for you? That's why Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, talks about just as Jonah went into the belly of the well, Jesus went into the belly of the earth for three days. Jesus knows what it's like to be buried alive. But look what he said in John chapter 7, and I'm done. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within. What you don't realize is 
that while the devil's been pouring dirt, Jesus was in your well. And when he came up out of that well, that pit after three days, because he's living water, what you call a pit, he calls a well. But he needs you to understand he has the power to throw the enemy back in the pit because that's the promise of the end of days. And you've got to understand it's time to get Jesus to bubble up. Come on and praise him. And he was living in your dark place, in your dry place. He knows what it's like to live in hell for you. And just as Isaac dug a well, I wonder if God was smiling saying, someday my, my boy will sit on arguments. He'll sit on opposition. And he'll spread out his arms and give you room to live freely in him. In him we move Oh my God, somebody ought to praise him. I don't know why you're not shouting. I don't know why you're not shouting. I don't know why you're not getting a hold of this. I don't know why you're not praising him. I don't know why you're not crying out. I don't know why, because God told me to come and tell you, he's taken back the well. He was in your pit, and he has the power. He's the living water. He declared it in John 7, I am the spring of living water. And when you get him in your pit, it is no longer a pit. It becomes a well, and things begin to rise up. And God told me to tell you, he's turning this house into a spring of living water, and he's going to restore the land that has been polluted, where the enemy has been pouring dirt in the wells of this city and this area. Area. And God told me to come and tell you that it starts tonight with you because he's about to dig a fresh well in your life. Lift your hands and cry out. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm going to talk to somebody that's been drinking dirty water. Anybody been drinking dirty water? I'm talking to somebody that's ready to dig. Somebody's go ahead. Begin to prophesy. Go ahead. Step into the anointing that's for this moment. And open the wells of revival. And open the wells of revival. The place you thought and let your He abandoned you. He will come and sit on that well and get the attention of, of a city worshiping. Do you know what? You're not getting this. Samaria, the Bible says, they worshiped things in the mountain and knew not what they worshiped. They had gone back to the king of Isaac's day who worshiped many gods. But Jesus sent Isaac to the land and then he came back to the land to invade. And consequently, Isaac means laughter. He restores joy in a barren land. Is anybody ready to start digging? Lift your hands and cry out. There are dads in this house that God says the enemy poisoned your well. There are moms in this house. The enemy poisoned your well. There are people in this house that God says, I've been waiting to give you something. You're used to drinking poison. If you're ready to step into a well, I need to warn you. Because she done went. I've learned that when somebody's thirsty, you can try to make them stay back, but they'll trample you for fresh water. Go to places of natural disaster. They will trample you for water. And until you are that hungry to trample on the enemy, God says, I'm looking for a Holy Spirit mob that will attack the water truck and say, my baby's thirsty, my daughter's thirsty, my son's thirsty, my family's thirsty because the water's been poisoned. Come on, church! Are you hungry enough? I know what it's like to almost lose my son. And let me tell you what I did. I dug, I dug, I dug. This place will be known as the well that the city comes to drink from. Get out of your chairs and come on. Come on, come on, come up here and stand. Come on. 
quickly. If you can, unless you're on your face, to look in each other's eyes. I'm not being weird. This is this will start. This is of the true move of God. Husbands and wives look at each other and say, I love you as much now and even greater than I did when we first said our vows. Now look at each other and say, let's dig. Let's dig a well in our house. Part of this revival will be a restoration of intimacy in marriages. I feel that so strongly. Every eye shut across this place. I want to know if the Philistines moved in on your land and poisoned your well and put dirt in your well. And you've allowed things in your well to muddy it. The first start of revival is repentance. Repentance means literally, the word comes from when they would sack villages and they would tie the villagers up and make them watch as they burned their houses down and took them off into slavery because they watched, made them watch their houses burn, which means you have no place to go back to. Repentance means I have no place to go back to. I've got to leave it. It's going to burn down tonight. And there are people in this place that the enemy has perverted your well, young and old, and there's dirt in your well. And God says, I need you. I'm not going to lead you in this prayer. I can't. Not tonight. The Lord says, I want them to repent to me. I want them to cry out and tell me they're sorry. I want them to repent out loud. I want them to cry out and say, God, forgive me and save me. Even if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you need to do this. Ready? Begin to cry out to him and repent now. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I've let dirt in my house. I've let dirt poison my river. I've let dirt poison the well of my home. Come on, I can't hear you. Katie, I've done it. I've done it. I've cried out and said, God, I should have never. I can tell you three weeks ago I did it. I was boxing in my garage and I turned on 80s music and Karen walked in and said, that's, and we're not religious, but Karen said, I don't think God wants us to have this in our house. I turned it off. The Holy Spirit arrested me and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I was, I mean, and, and I love 80s music, but the, I said, Lord, my house will only be a house of prayer from this point on three weeks ago. I repented in my own house. That's me being honest. And I love 80s music, but the Lord said, no more, not in your house. Because I know how to keep worship on upstairs and the 80s music on when I'm working out downstairs. The Lord said, no more. No more. Only worship in your house. I had to go to Karen and say, I repent. I, rep I had to repent. Mr. National Speaker had to repent. So we're going to do it again. Lift your hands and say, God, I'm so sorry that I've let my water get polluted. Now you cry out to him and repent. Go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, dads. If it's in you, it's in your kids. Double. Come on, mama. Come on, mama. Maybe you haven't stood your ground and fought for things. Repent and say, God, I want my house back. I want my family back. I want my marriage back. I want my finances back. Come on, dad. Come on, teenagers. Say, God, clean out my well. I begin to even believe in my mind. It's okay for me to look at pornography. It's okay for me to do this and that. God says, clean out the well clean out the well clean out the well clean out the well take your hands in front of you like this take your hands like this everybody like you're holding a shovel I've dug a few ditches in my day and to even get it started you have to push that shovel into the ground I want you right now do this push the shovel in peel it back all over this house start digging now you know what God's telling you to do he's going to let you dig the water the dirt out of your well dig it out 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 start calling out your children's names start calling out your family's name start calling out your workplace come on dig out the dirt dig out the dirt dig out the dirt dig out the dirt I dig out the dirt of religion I dig out the dirt of fear I dig out the dirt of hurt and pain and offense come on dig 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 you got to dig I dig out I dig out the well I dig out Hey, Hank, keep digging. I just saw a little, a little, a little like little puddle of water starts forming. You don't even realize this. You're tapping into a river. Keep digging. There's a gusher coming in the spirit across this house. Dig, dig, 
Do you see it? Your well's starting to fill up. Your well's starting to fill up. Your well's starting to fill up. Now put your hands in the water and start drinking it. Lift your hands and begin to praise him for the rain. Begin to praise him for the well. Say, devil, get out of my well. Get out of my well. Come on, shout it out. Say, leave my babies alone. Leave my family alone. Go. I literally see God. You got blisters on your hands. You've been digging for a while. There are blisters in the spirit on these hands. But God says, your well is coming forth now. I'm seeing family float to the top that have been buried. Come on. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. He is the living water. Say this out loud. I will only drink of the Lord. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Somebody say, somebody say, I'm thirsty. Oh, 